0: It is the 200-level episode 139 Cinco de Ayo. It doesn't make any logical sense, but you know we're going to go with it because Illinois is ranked number five and Iowa is primed to make a run for National Player of the Year. What a week. What a weekend. It wasn't quite the weekend we thought we would get. No Illini football game to speak of. But of course on Friday we got the most thrilling Illini basketball game. Far more thrilling than any of us would have wanted it to be. And the biggest reason, well, a couple reasons, of course, why I didn't want them to lose that game. One, it would have been a bad loss. But two, I wanted this right here, this feeling of what it would be like to get ready for a top five matchup, Illinois basketball versus another really good non-conference opponent, something that became so commonplace for Illini fans in the early part of the 2000s, but really in the last 15 years has been non-existent. Well, here we go. We get the national spotlight, Wednesday night, 9 o'clock, nothing else big or even remotely close to the stature of this game is going to be going on on ESPN, ESPN2, we will be the show. Illinois basketball will be on millions of TVs, I assume, in this country on Wednesday night with an opportunity to get the biggest win in this program's history since. And again, fill in the blank, we'd have to go back pretty far because all those fun wins that we had last year in the Big Ten – It wasn't against number two in the nation. None of those were wins that would announce your arrival back on the national stage to the degree that this win against Baylor would. I don't know if I expect it. I think Vegas has it as a seven-point spread. Of course, we can't bet on it in the state of Illinois, so I can't tell you for sure if that's moved or not. But it seems about right. It seems about right for a Baylor team that is super loaded with veterans, especially in the backcourt, and an Illinois team that, outside of Iowa, has been somewhat inconsistent with the supporting cast, other than those named DeMonte, who, by the way, what a fantastic start to the season for him. But all that said, you know that if Wednesday night the best Illinois team shows up, and Kofi looks like 2019, 2020 Kofi. Go back to February and March, what he was doing. If Adam Miller can look like he did against North Carolina a and If Trent offensively is doing what he did against Chicago State. And then you get some supporting help from Andre Corbello from Georgie down low for about 15 minutes. I don't think he want much more than that. And Jacob Grandison, maybe some valuable minutes from him. I'm not sure. But you have enough. You have enough to win. It's going to take your A game. Anything short of that, I don't think you beat this Baylor team. But isn't it nice to just be in this position where we get a few days to bask in the glow of a top five ranking and know that even if you lose to Baylor, you aren't going to take that much of a hit outside of a blowout. Let's say Baylor just outclasses you. And you know what? That is a possibility. That is the only negative outcome that could come from this Wednesday night's game. Is Baylor just kicking your butt and making you look like you're a pretender? And then we flounder in the top 15 until we get some key Big Ten wins. I don't know. But I would much prefer to be in the top five the rest of the year. I'm getting greedy because we don't know, for one, how many interruptions we'll have this season. And for another, and we'll get to this later in the podcast, as far as recruiting's going, I don't know the next time Illinois is going to have this collection of talent on the roster. I hate to say that. I was hoping for more kind of sustainability And that is kind of in question right now. But the good news is the roster that you have right now is loaded. You got one of the best players in college basketball, and I would argue the front runner for national player of the year. Io's not going to have many, if any, performances this year that leave you wanting. And because more often than not you're going to have the best player on the court at any given time, you got a shot. That's what I love about basketball. You don't need the huge, massive rebuilds that you do for football programs. You get a few studs, and you're on your way. And I O may be one of the best basketball players we've had ever. When all said and done, it's been a long time since we've seen someone make it look this easy. You'd have to go back to Darren. I love D Brown, but it wasn't always a situation where you'd see D on the court and think, "Man, the game just looks slow and easy for D." He was always running at such a high motor. Darren, though, that junior year for Darren Williams, he just was in command all the time. And it never looked like Darren was really having to hustle or or hit the turbo button. He was just kind of doing his thing and making everyone else look kind of silly. His opponents, I should say. I owe the same thing. And I know it's three games against not the best competition in the world, but does he not look fantastic? And that's going to continue. So, There is a reason to be excited, reason to be optimistic, despite what happened Friday against Ohio. I think we'll find out rather quickly Wednesday night that Friday was an aberration, at least in terms of the lack of urgency that you played with. Hopefully, that was the wake up call. And you got to think that against Baylor and against Duke, against the likes of those teams, flat performances won't be the concern. You got concerns on this roster, you got holes, you have areas that you're going to struggle depending on the matchup, but. At the end of the day, I think that lifeless kind of performance we saw Friday—that was a one-time deal. At least until you play—I don't know what Tennessee Martin next Saturday, sandwiched in between Baylor and Duke, or whoever they play Saturday or Sunday. I guess that's TBD. But we're here for Cinco de Io, your number five-ranked Illini basketball team. Finally, you know that's why winning that game Friday, I wanted for myself to experience this again. But also for Isaac and Trevor, how young they would have been in 0405. 4 5 they weren't of an age that could really appreciate what it is like to live through an entire season where you are top five caliber or top ten caliber for that matter. Well, I think that you're going to be top ten for most of this as long as you can get one of these two non-conference wins against Duke or Baylor, and I think you can split. You do that, you're going to hang around this area because you get into Big Ten play, rack up some wins early, and man, look at this, four Big Ten teams – in the top 10. Iowa at three. Wisconsin at four. Gag me with a spoon. Illinois at five. And I think Michigan State at six. Is it all in a row? Four in the top 10 regardless. And Michigan, I think, in the top 25 as well. So this is a loaded conference. Rutgers, I think, is somewhere in the top 25. And you may be the best of the bunch. Of course, an imperfect team, but I look at other teams in the Big Ten and think, you know what? They got their flaws, too. So what does it come down to? It comes down to who has the best player. And Luca Garza, he's pretty damn good. Io, I'll take him. And I'll take my chances with him. So let's have some fun today. Illinois basketball, some Illinois football later, including some crackpot, tinfoil hat conspiracy theories, why Ohio State decided they didn't want any piece of Illinois on Saturday. Some of our favorite alumni sports media personalities had something to say about that on on Twitter this weekend, which my God, it's it's getting stupid out there, folks. So try to uh, parse through Twitter with a discerning eye for BS. There's a lot of it out there. Before we get started, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Do, online at dpdoe.com. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzones, $6 premium and construction zones, online at dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so you can stay home, you can stay safe. And now that we're basically in December, you can stay warm along with your calzone. It'll be piping hot when they bring it to you. dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. 4th and Kirby, I'm on to I got my new Alani basketball swag. It is a navy crew neck sweatshirt with the orange Illinois script font. It is the most comfortable sweatshirt I have. It fits great, and it's a great price. And it's one of those things that if you're looking for Christmas presents for your Alani fan in your life, go to fourthandkirby.com and use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10%. Off your order, that's Fourthandcurby.com. Finally, State farm agent Brian Hanson online at Brianismyguide.com. For life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian and his staff will help you out. They helped us out with homeowners and auto, a great bundle. And of course, you get the state farm pricing, which is super low. Super affordable. But more than that, you get Brian and his staff that really personalize the experience and make sure it is as seamless as possible. So that is BrianIsMyGuy.com for State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. Align I Inquire, you can listen to the Mondays with Mike podcast. I know we're double dipping on this Monday. That came out a couple hours ago, and this one's coming out on Monday, late afternoon, evening. And then the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, and you can follow Champagne Showers on Twitter at 217Showers. Before we get rolling uh, with all the Illini basketball and football talk, a quick reminder, ratings and reviews, they help us out. We've gotten a lot of really uh, kind words of feedback, and they don't need to be kind, though. I don't want you to think that you need to leave a kind note. You could leave a nasty, mean-spirited note on Apple Podcasts. I don't care. But what really helps us out is getting those ratings and reviews in, and it helps spread the word by letting us move up the charts, so to speak, when someone types in Illini on Apple Podcasts. We're kind of moving up those chains there. So uh, moving up the chains, why do I keep saying that? It's moving the chains for a first down. We're moving up the charts on Apple Podcasts. So to do that, again, rate, review us, however you want to rate or review us, and that just uh, makes us a little bit more top of mind for people that maybe have not listened to the 200 level. Hey, and if you want to do us a solid, let the alumni fan in your life know, hey, there's this podcast, the 200 level, check it out. I think they'll like it. Maybe, and if they don't, they can find, there's, there's umpteen options out there. We got Dion Thomas as a new podcast. I think Mikey Dudek has one. The guys at Alani board, or with Robert Rosenthal, they got a new one. Jeremy has one. Tons of options, so thank you for letting the 200 level be part of your Alani sports media rotation. We appreciate it. Let's start with Alani basketball. The week that was, and the week that's coming up. Last week, 3-0. That's the good news. I O looked every bit as good as we hoped for, if not better. We had high expectations for Io, but he is playing at a different level right now. And I mentioned this in the opening segment. He's he's making it look easy. It doesn't look like he's laboring out there. He's getting to the rim at will. Of course, he considered the opponent, but I have no doubt that he's going to be doing the same thing against upper echelon teams in the Big Ten. I think we're going to see it Wednesday night, and he'll be able to get his. And this year, getting his is somewhere along the lines of 20 points, 6 boards, five, six assists. He's doing it all. And if we did see one bit of concern, it was against Ohio. It felt like he had to take on the role of hero ball a bit. But what I was encouraged by at the end of the Ohio game is Iowa still doing his thing, of course. But you started to see Trent, I think down the stretch, had a really good four or five minutes there. Of course, the closing steal. But I think Trent was the one that fed DeMonte for that game-tying or game-leading three late as well. DeMonte was terrific. You felt pretty good about your backcourt. Adam Miller, I think, had a baseline jumper in the last four minutes that was crucial at a point in the game where if he wouldn't have made that, Ohio could have extended their lead. So the hero ball that you were asking of Io, eventually the other guys picked up the slack late. Kofi was the concern, right? And if there is a concern from last week, that would be it. I think it's fairly easily correctable. And Kofi is a big enough and talented enough guy where you gotta think that he's gonna get his. He's still a presence. Defensively, you're a heck of a lot better when Kofi's out there than vice versa. But you did see against Ohio this Roderick kid, their center, who I think was six eight, maybe, have a decent game. And I know Preston helped out with that. Vanderplas spreading out the court, he helped with that as well. But Roderick was doing okay against Kofi, and he was getting some bunnies that you don't want to see from a six foot eight opposing center. As you go forward and play the likes of a Baylor and a Duke, Kofi can still be the best big man out there by far. He can be, and I'm excited to see how he responds to this level of competition. It may be a case. Imagine if you were seven foot one, seven foot two. You got the size and athleticism of Kofi, and you're playing North Carolina A and Chicago State, Ohio, and you look across at you and you see the other center. Come on, give me a break. It reminds me, back in Little League, we played the All-Stars from Fisher. Now, Fisher's a great community, but I don't know what it was. All these guys from Fisher, I think they might have been a year younger than most of the guys on our Little League team. And they looked small, and we thought, give me a break. These guys aren't anything. They 10-run ruled us in three innings. We didn't take them seriously. If you're Kofi, how can you go into those three games and be at the same level mentally that you would be against a Baylor or a Duke? when the opposing center is going to match you for size and athleticism, or at least get close. I hope that that will be the kick in the butt that he needs to perform well beginning Wednesday. If Kofi has a monster game Wednesday, you got a great shot to win that because that seems to open up everything else for the guards, who overall you feel pretty good about. We talked about Io. We talked about Kofi. DeMonte Williams has been remarkably consistent. Defensively, you know what you get. You get the glue guy, intangible qualities from DeMonte, the leadership abilities from him. He is one of those speak softly but carry a big stick kind of guys. And you're seeing offensively he's being super efficient. And my hope for him all along, and I've said it on the 200 level, I said this talking to Jeremy today on Mondays with Mike. My hope for him offensively was what Chester Frazier did his senior year. In efficiency, right? You aren't expecting DeMonte to score 10 points a game. He might on occasion. But for the seven, eight points a game that he does have, you hope that he is efficient from the field. He has been so far. Making two to three threes a game, he's only taking the open looks. He is someone that defenses have to account for, and that makes him all the more valuable. Love DeMonte. It's crazy to think that a year ago, and even less than a year ago, it was into the January, early February part of that Big Ten schedule, leading up to that Maryland game at home, where DeMonte was kind of a black hole on offense. And no one really criticized DeMonte too hard from what I recall because we all like him. And of course, we're all fondly remembering how good Frank was. And we love the legacy recruit thing with DeMonte. Fan favorite, right? But it was a struggle. It was hard to watch. And look at this. Eventually, this is not a fluke. The Maryland game, I thought after that, well, that was a fluke. And darn it, you didn't even win that game. Well, no, he's making two threes a game. You can count on it. And we joked on the 200-level Saturday, well, he... Fill this quota. There's not going to be a third. Well, there was a third. And it was the biggest shot of the game outside of Io, taking it to the rim, getting fouled, and getting you the lead. So DeMonte has been fantastic. Adam Miller, overall a really strong start to the year. There is a reason why he was the Big Ten freshman, co-Big Ten freshman of the week with that other 7'4". I don't know where these guys come from, from a laboratory or what, but another seven foot four kid, I think his name is Eads for Purdue. Now they got Haas and Harns out of there. You got yet another string being white guy that's actually pretty good at basketball. But co Big Ten freshman of the week, or co freshman of the week, how do you say that? For Adam Miller, who looks the part. There is a polish to his game that you don't normally see from freshmen, even going back to Io's freshman year. Io wasn't doing that in his first three games. Yes, of course, consider the competition. But you look at Adam Miller, and he looks ready to go. Wednesday, he's going to live for this thing. This this kid has swagger, and it is a quieter kind of swagger than maybe an I.O. He is not, from the looks of it, at least much of a trash talk or anything like that, but he does carry himself with a confidence that belies his age. 18 years old, right? And this is what you get from a kid that played at Morgan Park and played with one of the better teams in the state of Illinois, and is somewhat a legacy recruit of his own, where he can consider the Peoria connection and the Morgan Park connection. And here he comes, and this is so reminiscent of back in the late 90s when he had the Frank, Serge, Marcus Griffin run, when guys would come in here and you knew from the get-go that they were just going to be good. You were so excited to get them in because there wasn't going to be much of a transition period. I think that's going to be the case for Adam Miller and defensively, looked pretty good. Offensively in spurts looked unbelievable. We saw a little bit of inconsistency within those three games, but I think you can count on him being your third leading scorer outside of Iowa and Kofi. This is assuming Kofi gets his 15-16 tonight, which you got to hope. But Adam Miller, let's say he averages 13, 14 points a game, which would not surprise me. I think that you're looking at some nights where he's dropping just like game one, 28 points and you get a heater from him like that against Baylor, why not? So then that leaves the other guys, Trent. Defensively, really like what you see. He had some big moments late in that game against Ohio that helped you win it. And I think that what we may have to accept with Trent this year is not a phenomenal offensive performance. I know it's only three games in, but I was kind of hoping, and I said this on Ian Gold's podcast last week, that he would be the third-leading scorer. I think the safer bet is probably Adam Miller. But that's not to say that Trent isn't going to find consistency in other ways. He looks to be the primary ball handler, especially early in games. He is kind of playing point guard as Io and Adam will play off the ball in those half-court sets. Defensively disruptive as all get-out, and that's what you can count on with Trent, and that's big. If he can get three threes in a game, and that's doable for him, right? Again, you just up that, percentage, that winning percentage that much more. The chances of beating Baylor, if Trent can go out there and knock down three threes, if Adam Miller can be on like he was in games one and two of that three-game stretch offensively. And then you know what you get from Io and hopefully Kofi, and then DeMonte, who feels like a given. That's a great starting lineup. I really like that starting lineup, despite the lack of size at your four when you have DeMonte playing potentially a stretch four. Full disclosure... I don't know Baylor's roster all that well, apart from the fact that they have a lot of good guards. Is there a stretch four that's going to give you problems like Vanderplas? And I'm only saying that half tongue in cheek because Vanderplas was a decent enough player. I don't know if he's all Mac or anything like that, but he seems to be the antidote for this Illinois team. If you got a really good version of Vanderplas, and you play that team in March, who's guarding him? because DeMonte, try as he might, he's still going to be giving up four or five inches to a guy like that. So this leaves the questions. What questions remain with this roster? I love Andre Corbello, but he's going to make you pull your hair out sometimes this year. I knew that he would be an aggressive player, and I should have factored that into, well, he's probably going to be turning the ball over quite a bit, and he will be. There's no doubt. His assist-to-turnover ratio as a freshman is going to leave you wanting. But when he's on... That's a dangerous player to have as part of your rotation. And it looks like he's going to be good to go on Wednesday night despite that ankle injury, which fortunately did not seem to be a huge deal for him. I think he came back into that game anyway. So we'll see with Andre Crabello. The good thing is that you don't need to put too much of an onus on him early. I thought he would play a bigger role at point guard, but when you have Trent doing a pretty good job uh, ball handling and then you have Io kind of taking over as we get in the second half, I think you'll be okay. Jacob Grandison. That's a wild card there, where after game one, I would have said, well, look at this. Ten points. I think it was seven or eight rebounds. He's got the size. He's got the versatility. He moves well. This is what we were missing, because we aren't probably going to get Hutcherson anytime soon. He goes to see a back specialist. So it really comes down to Grandison between these two transfers and being an impact on the wing. And we didn't see much of him against Ohio, and he wasn't a factor when he was out there. Can you count on him for much more than spot minutes at this point? I don't think so. And you got to hope that whatever you get from him is merely a bonus. And will Brad Underwood, against the likes of a Baylor, trust him for 10, 12 minutes in a game? I don't know. We'll find out soon enough. I I wish you could because you are not asking him to be a starter or primary anything. You're really asking him to go out there, use his length, use that athleticism to be disruptive on defense, and maybe knock down a shot or two. I hope he can do that as the season wears on at a consistent level. I'm just not counting on that Wednesday night. And Georgie is the wild card here among many wild. <laughs> I, I've said wild card probably three or four times already, but Georgie, to my eye, was looking good. All things considered, up through the first 10 minutes of that Ohio game, he was looking good. And then you break down the plus-minus, which is an imperfect stat. I think he was negative 10 for the Ohio game. You know defensively that sometimes he loses a guy. Even though I think when he was out there with Kofi, he helped out on a few possessions defensively. And I thought, well, okay, we're seeing Georgie just kind of play within his own and not try to do too much. I know that he is going to be a liability depending on the matchup. I can't trust him either. You know, there's still that PTSD, for lack of a better term, from last year when he struggled mightily in the Big Ten schedule. And is that going to be the problem, be the bugaboo again when you play better teams? We'll find out again on Wednesday. But I do like the fact that you were not asking him to do too much. And as he gradually moves towards just simply a backup center role, and maybe, what were they, uh, him and Kofi were out on, on the court together maybe five or six minutes in that Ohio game, We'll find out if that chemistry ever develops, but at a minimum, you could do worse for a backup center. You could. But that's your rotation, right? Coleman Hawkins, maybe a project. I would love for him to just be the energy guy coming off the bench, and he might turn into that. We're only three games in. Apart from maybe some spot minutes for Hamlin at center, that's your rotation. Eight guys. And you know what? You don't need more than that. You don't. I wish that you could say, well, Hutcherson's going to come in and be, a, be an impact guy for you this year, but I don't think you can. If you've seen a back specialist, knowing how those things can linger, you can't count on that. And same with uh, BBV, another wing that you would like to see, probably not going to be a factor, Zach Griffith. He got some PT for you in those three games. I don't know about that. Brandon Lieb, same thing. That's your rotation. And you can go with that. You can go with that. Especially in a year where, are you going to play all 26 games anyway? Are there going to be games that you don't end up playing? Postponements that turn into cancellations. This is not going to be the same workload that we would normally be accustomed to in a season like this. And for the guys that are in your rotation, the heavy minutes guys, they've been around before. Apart from Adam Miller and apart from Andre Corbello, but the veterans, so to speak, I.O. Kofi, Demonte, Trent, they know what big minutes are like, and you're asking them to do that again. Some of the best teams in Illinois basketball history. You look back to the fine Illini. The depth in the bench, what was that? Marcus Liberty, P.J. Bowman, Mark Smith. Basically three guys off the bench that played quite a bit. I think that was it. I was not really alive apart from the VHS tapes I watched years later to know that team and that rotation. 83-84, what was the depth like on that team? Great starting five. What was it? Ephraim Winners, Bruce Douglas, Anthony Welch, Doug Altenberger. Uh, forgetting somebody else there. I don't know. Did they go more than eight, eight deep? 405 4 7-8 deep max. I think your eighth guy was what, Nick Smith, Rich McBride, and Jack Ingram. They got most of the playing time. So eight-man rotation, that's what you're looking at. And there's a clarity to that. Of course, I wish that we had Alan Griffin. That would be a big help. But I do feel like the offensive production you get from, let's say, Adam Miller, an improved Trent, DeMonte being more efficient, you would hope that would offset it. And that maybe you can get some of that clarity in the rotation and on defense, guys knowing their roles, knowing their assignments, where the waters might get muddied a bit the longer or the larger rotation that you have. I'm trying to maybe find a silver lining in the fact that you are not going to be the deepest team in the Big Ten. But for the five that you send out and play the majority of the minutes for you, the openers and the closers, I like it. I really do like those five guys, despite the fact you don't really have a true four and you're relying on four guards that don't have great size. And then Kofi, really kind of counting on him to get going. So Wednesday night against Baylor is this opportunity that reminds me a lot of the early Bill Self era. And if you go back to Bill Self's first year, if I recall, they lost to Arizona in the Maui. I think they'd beaten Maryland before. They won a big game in Maui. So let's say they beat Maryland and lost to Arizona. I think that was it. They lost to Duke in a non-conference game, or I think the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and then they beat Arizona at the UC. So what? Two and two against other top 10 teams. Got the one seed in March. Case in point, that was the year that I learned as a young basketball fan. And Tom Izzo has been preaching this for 20 years, so I probably should have caught on a year or two before this, but you play those teams because it is a win-win situation. You lose to Baylor Wednesday night, that's not going to hurt your potential seeding in March. If anything, it's going to help it as long as you don't get blown out. And let's say you do get blown out. Worst case scenario, well, let's call it the learning experience. It sure beats losing at Arizona last year by 20 because that Arizona team, while good, was not number two in the nation. Losing to number two is not the end of the world. Of course we want to win. Of course it would feel amazing to wake up on Thursday night and realize that you just beat the number two team in the nation and when the next AP poll comes out you might be two or if Baylor beats Gonzaga on Saturday you may be number one because you would have the best win of anybody number one going into Duke next week it's okay to get greedy it's okay to say well of course we want that screw just playing close or screw just being competitive we want to beat Baylor you can you can beat Baylor it'll take an A plus game or just an A game at least but it can be done and it's not a one out of ten kind of thing. This is like if Baylor and Illinois played ten times, wouldn't you think this Illinois team would win at least four of them? Neutral sight, all things being equal. You have what you feel like is the best player on the court with Io and the best big on the court with Kofi. And they may have more balance, especially in the backcourt. But you feel like, okay, well, Trent, I know what he is. He's not a perfect player, but he's a damn good defender and he can make some threes. DeMonte, good defender. He can make some threes apparently now too. And Adam Miller, the freshman that can light it up if he's feeling good that particular game. So can you match their strength with your own backcourt? You can get close, that's for sure. And while they may be more experienced, Baylor is an older team than you are, sometimes it's just as simple as, okay, can you match their intensity or can you exceed it? And this is where what I'm encouraged by with this year so far. You saw the offensive performance was better. Ohio, I know that left you wanting, but you still scored a decent amount of points in that game, and you were able to match that Preston kid who had the game of his life. Unbelievable performance. The best performance since, what, Chris Likes for Miami last year? But you know the offense is better. It just is. Well, what if we then pepper in some of that intensity that you saw last year, especially down the stretch? That team last year, the offense would go through extended stretches where they had a hard time scoring. But it was that toughness, and I hate to borrow a John Grossism, but toughness and togetherness that kept them in the game. They had a grit to them. I think this team still has that. They didn't really need to use it all that much except for in crunch time against Ohio. So the hope is that those last five minutes in that game where you had to really gut it out despite not having it is a reminder to this team that when it comes down to it, they can keep themselves in almost any game and not get blown out because they do have toughness. They didn't really have it last November or December. It was something that they kind of learned throughout last year. Andres Feliz was a big factor in that, and hopefully that kind of got passed down to these other guys now that Feliz is no longer here. But it is something that you mix that, you couple that with an offense that should be able to be far more efficient from three. And then maybe Kofi comes out looking like the energetic Kofi that we saw for the most of February and March last year. Yeah, it can happen. Am I counting on it? No, I'm not. I maybe I'm just trying to maybe protect myself from a seven, eight point loss to Baylor where you think, ah, that that kind of stinks. And maybe we're more like ninth or tenth in the country than five. I don't know if this Illinois team is necessarily the number five team in the country. They avoided the bad loss on Friday. There were other teams in the top 10 that did not avoid a bad loss last week. That's also another indication why in this college basketball landscape, it is different than even 20 years ago when you would play the scrub teams in November, December, and you never had to worry about losing to them. The parity in the game now is far more widespread than it was 20 years ago. This is how it is. You know, if you play a Mac team, that's projected to finish in the top three or four of their conference. Well, guess what? That team could very well be the 12 or 13 seed in the tournament in March that pulls off the upset. Oh, This Ohio team could be that. And I'm not just saying that to cover the fact that Illinois played a fairly lethargic game on Friday. That, that is a problem outside of how good Ohio was. But yeah, those things happen. Happened to Virginia. It damn near happened to Michigan last night against Oakland at home and it took overtime and I'd have to check Ken Palm to see where Oakland is in relation to Ohio but I get the feeling that would have been a worse loss for Michigan than Ohio would have been for Illinois but you escaped and it is kind of just about surviving right in this year more than ever the games that you do play just get the win you don't really need style points and if this team can find those wins They had the benefit of being ranked highly from the get-go. They had the benefit of non-conference games that can solidify that one or two line in the NCAA tournament if that's what they're gunning for. They can solidify that right now. You win one of these games against Baylor or Duke, and you finish as a Big Ten champion or even in the top three of the Big Ten, then chances are you're going to still be a top ten team in March and get a one or two seed in the bubble in Indy. That is how well thought of the Big Ten is four teams in the top 10. And I don't see that changing. I see all those teams stacking up wins. And then eventually one of them will, you know, when the dust all settles, they'll emerge as the one team at the top of the big 10, or we're going to get a situation like I think 2002 when Illinois shared it with three other teams, maybe Michigan state, Wisconsin, somebody else, you could have a four way tie for first in the big 10 between Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan state. Wouldn't it all surprise me? And let's not, count out Rutgers either if they are able to stay healthy. I'm not sure what happened to Geo Baker the first week, if he's good or not. That's a good conference. So this is a game where as we settle in for the 200 level on, on Wednesday night, it's a 9 o'clock start, so we'll start around 10 o'clock. And that's, that's late night for Mr. Carpenter. I already told the kids that on Thursday I'm going to be sucking down coffee and I may not be in my A game, regardless of if it's a win or a loss. If it's a win, I'm not going to bed until like 1 o'clock. I'm celebrating. That's history. Uh, even for me, someone that lived through the Bill Self in the early Bruce Weber years, a top five win is something that you need to cherish. And I am more than prepared to do that late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, if it comes down to it. We, of course, will be here on the 200 level, another post-game podcast, second half post-game podcast Wednesday night. So be on the lookout for that. I know Isaac and Trevor will be here for sure. Maybe Harry, because it is a big game. He's more of a football guy. And if he can, if his schedule allows, Harry will be back with us on Saturday for a 2.30 kick, Illinois-Iowa. Oddly, kind of a big game. You could say that it is the difference between a good and a not so good season. Because if you beat Iowa, you're going to get your third Big Ten win. You will set yourself up to be in a good position, I think, to get a fourth Big Ten win, depending on who the Big Ten East team is. And then as we saw Saturday against Michigan State, Northwestern is, in fact, beatable. Now, do I expect Lovey to finally beat Pat Fitzgerald? Well, history wouldn't suggest that that's going to happen, but at least it's possible. Saturday with the Ohio State game that wasn't, I need to be honest with you. I I was mildly excited for it, and then all the news came down Friday. It kind of trickled in. I have a really good friend whose dad had passed away, and we did this Zoom memorial, as you would do in 2020. We did that Friday evening, and it was a great Great remembrance, and my mindset was not anywhere near Illinois football when all that news started to come out. So when it did, and when I kind of processed it, I thought, you know, it stinks, but then on the other hand, it's a beautiful Saturday, and I don't need to delegate three and a half hours to what would likely have been, if we're being honest, likely would have been another disappointing effort against a really good Ohio State team, regardless of which Ohio State guys did not play because of testing positive for COVID. And for all we know, maybe it was Justin Fields. Maybe it was some of their studs that got it. And that partially made the decision for the Buckeyes. But I say all that, and that's a little bit tinfoil hat-y, It's a little conspiracy theory-like, which 2020's been full of them from the very top. QAnon, that's a thing now. And it seems like, unfortunately, a certain section of the Illini sports media sphere have gravitated towards that as well. So on Saturday night as college football's lamest saturday in some time was coming to its conclusion there was a discussion on twitter i say discussion i mean <laughs> these things devolve so quickly beyond the point of an actual constructive dialogue on saturday night between jacob riek or riek and jacob i apologize for not getting your last name correct but jacob was uh, someone that you might have seen on lwna basketball and lwna volleyball telecast he wore an orange blazer and is kind of a super fan and he's found a good niche for himself on Twitter and a nice follow seems like a nice kid I say kid even though he's a college grad but Jacob had gotten into a discussion with Dave Wisnowski you may remember Dave and let me preface this by saying the interactions I have with Dave personally like Dave came in person to one of our college game day lives he was on 93.5 quite a bit back in the day always nice and congenial so there was no personal beef but over the years there's been kind of a trouble, troubling tendency i believe on his part to kind of go with the low hanging fruit of alani sports dialogue whether that be the oft used chief topic which is just exhausting and i don't i could give a crap about Chief Illiniweck at this point, or in this case, a new conspiracy theory that was floated about, not solely by Dave, but other Illini fans as well, that Ohio State forfeited this game. It's not a postponement. It's not a cancellation. This should be a forfeiture. Why? Well, technically, they did not hit the percentage that the Big Ten had established um, for too many positive cases. What is that? Seven and a half percent, something like that. Gene Smith, the Ohio State Athletic Director, came out on Saturday and said, could we have played? Yes. Should we have? No. And the way I read it is they had a lot of positive cases, or at least a decent handful of them. They couldn't guarantee that other guys weren't positive, even if they hadn't yet tested positive, And they decided they were going to bow out. That's how I read it. Maybe I'm being naive. But the way that Dave and some other people read that was, well, they didn't want to come in here to Illinois. They figured, we're going to set this out a week. We'll get back next week against Michigan State. That People actually thought that maybe Ohio State said, "Eh, we don't want any piece of this Illinois team if we got X amount of guys out. Now, let's take that on its face for how ridiculous that is. I think Ohio State would have gladly come in here, even if 10 guys, 12 guys, 15, whatever, were not able to play because that team is so stocked with four and five-star talent that they should have been able to come in here and beat you anyways. With Ryan Day coaching or not, he wouldn't have been. It would have been Larry Johnson, who I believe was the former offensive coordinator for Penn State, or D coordinator, one of the two. He would have been the interim head coach for that day. So I don't buy this notion that Ohio State didn't want to come in and play Illinois. Certainly it would have been a tougher task for them if there were a bunch of guys out, but not an impossible one. But let's keep it really simple. Ohio State's sole purpose this year to get Big Ten football back was so they could be in the football playoff. By not playing that game against Illinois, they have no margin for error. Michigan State this coming weekend, they need to play that game. And then next week, they need to play Michigan. Well, guess what? Michigan shut down their football activities today. I'm not sure if it's because of COVID or just because they suck so bad and they're kind of done with it, but they shut it down. So now Ohio State is looking down the barrel of a wasted season where they will not be eligible for first the Big Ten title game and then secondly the football playoff. And all they had to do, regardless of how many guys were out and if they were good players or not, all they had to do was come down and get a win against this Levy Smith coached Illinois team. And you're telling me that they forfeited? No. Let's take it one step beyond that as well. We are in the middle of a global pandemic. Duh. 2020 will always be remembered as the year of COVID, 260,000 plus people dead in this country, and to even be broaching this discussion without acknowledging the fact that there is going to be inherently a lot of uncertainty and a lot of postponements and all this sort of stuff is willfully ignorant, whether that be Dave or any other I fan that's perpetuating garbage like this. It's easy for me to say because I'm not as emotionally invested in Illinois football as others may be. I wasn't as disappointed as others that Illinois didn't get the chance to get their ass kicked by Ohio State. (laughs) I mean, my Saturday was just as fine without it. If it would have been a big Illinois basketball game, I would have been bummed. But even in that case, even in that case where I would be more emotionally invested in it, I would recognize that these things are bound to happen. And it just doesn't pass the sniff test to say that Ohio State said, you know what, despite the fact this is really going to put us up against it with the football playoff, uh, we're just too scared to go in and play the fighting Illini. Nah, that's not that's not what it is. Logically, that, does, that doesn't make sense. It's one of those things where, you know, to call out individuals that are kind of perpetuating this nonsense, again, as I preface, not trying to make it personal, but trying to go after the ideas. I'm going after the ideas, not the person here. That was kind of thrown back in my face last year when, after the Illinois-Michigan State game, Dave had tweeted out, hey, you lovey haters, you owe lovey an apology, write him a letter. And I called him out for what I thought was a ridiculous tweet, regardless of how great of a win that was. It was just a stupid tweet, and I stand by that. Going after the idea. Of course, it's going to be interpreted as going after the person as well. But I'm happy to eat crow. I'm happy to acknowledge the times that I was wrong about something. Case in point. I thought this Big Ten football season would go smooth because of the frequency of testing. Well, guess what? Testing alone does not a smooth season make, and we're finding that out pretty quickly, so I was wrong about that. I said Mark Smith was going to be the next D Brown of Illinois basketball. I was certainly wrong about that. I thought Brad Underwood wasn't going to really work out here. I'm pretty sure I'm wrong about that. I've been wrong about a lot of things, right? I'm happy to own it, but what I notice uh, has happened a lot with Wish Uh, in the last few years especially, and it's weird because, again, all the times we had him on the radio show, it seemed like anytime he gets called out for something, it immediately turns into a personal back-and-forth on Twitter, and you might be saying, well, why didn't you address it with him on Saturday on Twitter? Why didn't you reach out to him? I've done that a few times before, and it just becomes kind of an exhausting back-and-forth that doesn't really have anything to do with a good-faith dialogue. It just... (laughs) It just kind of turns sophomoric. As you would find, if you go back and find that thread with Jacob and Dave, someone pipes in and they made some kind of odd comparison about how they got an STD in college. It was sort of a jokey kind of tweet. And then the next few tweets between Dave and this guy were about venereal diseases. Whatever. <laughs> it's, it's Twitter. These things happen. But uh, that's why I just don't think it would be beneficial to engage in that. And it is more than Dave. Dave. Far more than just him. Many more people are kind of taking this approach that, you know, Illinois football somehow got screwed on Saturday. Well, guess what? We're all getting screwed. Sports fans are getting screwed. And that you look at other countries, they're able to get these games in and not have as many postponements. Why? Well, maybe because they don't have 260,000 dead and there aren't 200,000 new cases every day. That might be the biggest reason why. So all these discussions, all these, let's call them what they are, selfish desires to get all of these sports games in. And I certainly feel that way for Illinois basketball. Come hell or high water, get these games in. Of course, I want them to be healthy, but I want to be entertained. I want to see this top five alumni team as many times as I can this year. I acknowledge that's selfish. I do. But you also need to, on the other hand, acknowledge the fact that this is the situation we're living in, all of us in this country. And it doesn't matter if you go in the grocery store or going to get takeout or you're hanging out with that one or two other people that you think are probably safe and then, oh, guess what? You got it too. I worry for the future of this basketball season. But more than that, there are far bigger fish to fry than just a game on a court or a football game against Ohio State on a random Saturday in Champaign. It just, to me... Of course, it means something to us Alana fans to see these games and enjoy them and be entertained, but sometimes you need to put the selfish desires for your team to play aside and just recognize that, you know what? Other things are going on. And uh, I don't want to belabor the point because that already happened Saturday in the discussion, quote-unquote, that was taking place on Twitter. It was belabored way past the point of any reasonable conversation. Uh, So, but... Let me just end it by saying I like a good conspiracy theory. I do. You know, Lee Harvey Oswald, probably not a lone gunman. That's a fun conspiracy theory. I enjoy reading JFK assassination conspiracy theories. I even enjoy the conspiracy theory that the moon landing was faked and that Stanley Kubrick shot it himself. And this was after NASA saw how good of a job he did on 2001 A Space Odyssey. Love it. It's fun to read. Paul is dead. Remember that? Paul McCartney died back in 1966. They replaced him with Billy Shears before the Sgt. Pepper album. And there's all those clues on Beatles songs from then on. It's fun. But guess what? Ultimately, it's without merit. It's silly. And while it's kind of funny when the uh, grad student that you knew back in college, philosophy grad student that got high all the time and he starts spitting all these ridiculous yarns and you think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, then eventually you grow out of it. Or in the cases of some people, I guess you don't. And conspiracy theories are just kind of your thing. But get your head out of your ass, certain alumni fans. Like <laughs> The chief thing, drop it. Who cares? I want my teams to win. I don't care what the halftime entertainment is. And this Ohio State thing that happened Saturday is this weird extension of this constant barrage of noise. It's noise. I don't want to be a part of the noise. I don't. I hope I'm not contributing to any sort of uh, noise pollution in terms of Alani sports talk. I'm sure I have before, but I'm trying. And I just get the feeling that there are some out there that are actually not trying to avoid adding pollution. It's like their sole purpose is to add garbage and pollution into the fairly small bubble that is Alani sports talk. And uh, it's just kind of exhausting. I've done a decent job insulating myself from that and not reading too much and not getting too caught up in it. But inevitably, it it just shows up on your Twitter timeline. And I thought I would address that. <laughs> Ridiculous as it is. So as we finish up this football season, though, real quick, we'll, we'll talk plenty more on Saturday. I got to be honest, my mind is far more in Illini basketball than football. I think a lot of you may be in the same boat as I am with that. But it is a big game against Iowa. And I think we can acknowledge the likelihood of Levy not being here next year is probably slim to none. They would have to have a disastrous end of this season for Levy to be fired. Doesn't it feel that way? Especially when you get the Ohio State game canceled, so that's one less loss that he's going to have on the docket. And you feel like they're probably going to get one more win, and that's all he really needs to do. So let's assume Levy's back. Sadly, I think that's a safe assumption. Well, then just win games. If you're going to be back anyways, just win games. Win four or five games this year. Beat Iowa. Beat Northwestern, excuse me. And then whoever you play in the Big Ten East crossover game. Do it. Just for once. Surprise me beyond the point of, oh, I guess they might be okay. No, come out there the next three weeks and say, we're actually good. We're the team that we thought we were going to be we're beating teams that we haven't beaten in a long time. And you know what? I'm not probably going to be converted because you still aren't recruiting worth a damn. And I don't know what the long-term viability of this thing is, but for 2020, I'll take the excitement now and I'll say, fine, you did your job this year. You did it well, despite a rocky start. And then 2021, we'll get a full 12 game schedule to determine whether or not this thing sticks. That is probably what is going to happen. We're going to get another year. So at least give me some fun in these last three weeks. They're capable of it. Big loss with Alex Palczewski. Offensive line, he's out for the year. That's terrible news for someone that's been a four-year starter. Tariq Barnes, not unexpected, but season-ending surgery, that's too bad. Young guy that was showing you some promise. But for the most part, you are healthy everywhere else on that field. And hey, you've avoided any cancellations due to you. Well done, Illinois. Kudos to them, I think Northwestern and I think Indiana are the only Big Ten schools that have not had a game impacted by, or have not directly impacted a game by their own COVID test results. Is that correct? I, I need to double check that. I should probably verify it before I say it, but I know this for certain. Illinois, football, basketball, the athletic program as a whole, kudos to them. I've said it from the start. They seem to have an infrastructure in place. They nip this in the bud. And really, the U of I campus community in general, despite a little bit of a scary week there Around Labor Day, they got it figured out. They're going to finish out the school year, and they're doing a lot better than the county that surrounds them. Wake up, adults! You know these kids are showing you something. They live in close quarters. They're probably still drinking together, and yet they aren't getting COVID. So that's pretty remarkable. Uh, Okay, here's what we got the rest of the week. Wednesday night, we got Baylor, Illinois, nine o'clock. We'll be here from halftime in the second half. A little bit of post game reaction would love for it to be a really late night where we get to celebrate the biggest Illini win in a long, long time. It would be huge. Seismic. It would shake up the college basketball landscape and we would be in position, if Baylor were then to beat Gonzaga, we would be in position to be the number one team in the nation. How's that? Why not? Why not do that in week three of this college basketball season? I'd be happy with that. Football, Saturday, 2.30 games, so we'll hop on about 4.15 or so for the third and fourth quarter, and I would love for that to be a close game and one that you have an opportunity to win. Anytime you can beat Iowa is a good time, I guess. <laughs> I kind of lost my train of thought there, yeah. Anytime you beat them, for me, any one of those is pretty memorable. I go back to 99, the Neil Rackers game up in Iowa City. 2000, you smoked John Butcher in Iowa. I think that was Kirk Ferentz's second year or first year, one of the two. It was early in the French era. And then you beat them in 2008. And I think that was the last time. Yeah, so it's been way too long since you've beaten Iowa in football. And it feels good when you do. And this is a decent Iowa team, but it's one that if you got them at home, why not? The spread is 13 points. If you lose by 13, 14 points, that's a problem. Right, this is a veteran Illinois team. They should figure out finally how to win some games like this. So get it done, lovey. I'm almost angrily rooting for you. I'm angrily, intensely rooting for you to just figure it out because clearly we aren't going to make a coaching change. So give me something I can hold on to next year, okay, or going into next year. We'll have Isaac and Trevor for sure on Wednesday and for sure on Saturday, hopefully Harry on Saturday as well. A lot of fun doing these post-game podcasts. Friday was way too close for comfort if you wanted to relive those thrilling 20 minutes of basketball, and they were. I mean, it was pucker-up time, that's for sure. Uh, you can do that. That was the last podcast, 138 3 oh dear God. But for today, it's Cinco de Io, the fifth-ranked basketball team in the nation. Soak it in, Illini fans. Wednesday, wear your Illini garb. Treat it like a big game day. I know we can't meet at Esquire, we can't meet at Huber's, or even at each other's houses to have the usual blow-up that we would for a big Illini basketball game. But however you celebrate it with your friends and your family and your fellow Illini fans, whether you Zoom, kind of like we're going to do on Wednesday night, I tell you, it's fun. I've done the Zoom watch with friends before. You just have the computer off to the side, you're watching the game, you talk just like you would if you are in the room. It'll do. It'll do for now. And then hopefully somehow, way when they make the run in March in the bubble, maybe some return to normalcy, or at the very least, nice weather where we can have a party in the backyard as Illinois reaches the Final Four in Indianapolis. Dream big. Dream big, because you got Io who is going to be the National Player of the Year. I'm going to keep saying that. I'm going to wish it to be true, but I may not even have to wish it to be true, because he's playing whites out, and will continue to do so. So let's have some fun. We'll see you Wednesday night for that. Illinois Baylor. I keep telling myself that I will not fall into that trap of being disappointed if they lose. But man, if it's a close game in the second half and you can taste that victory, yeah, it's okay to get wrapped up in it. It's okay to feel the uh, jubilation if they win and then the agony if they lose, even for a non-conference game. But isn't it nice to feel again, to feel again for Illinois basketball? All right, DPDo online at dpdough.com use coupon code mike five dollar calzone six dollar premium in construction zones they deliver anywhere in champagne as you're settling in for a late night on wednesday may i recommend a fresh piping hot calzone from dp dough and you don't need to go anywhere it's a cold week stay in your house stay warm let them bring the hot calzone to your doorstep dpdough.com coupon code mike for five dollar calzones at dpdough.com fourth and kirby online at fourth and i got my crew next sweatshirt ready to go for Wednesday night, the most comfortable sweatshirt I own. High-quality stuff from 4th and Kirby, whether it be sweatshirts or T-shirts. Order online. Use coupon code 200LEVEL for 10% off your order, just in time for Christmas. Great presents for the Illini fan in your life at 4 And State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. No coupon code for that, but you get State Farm prices. And as you know, that's going to be pretty low as we're finding out with our homeowners and auto. But more than that, Brian and his staff, they personalize the experience, they make it seamless for you, and they made it super uh, easy for us. We can trust them, and you can trust them as well. Go to brianismyguy.com. For Lonnie Inquirer, the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, we're having fun doing this. We're pumping out a lot of episodes. We had well over 3,000 downloads last week. Best week yet. I think if Illinois beats Baylor, we're going to get that beat in one episode. So, the listenership is growing. If you're telling your friends or your fellow Alani fans about that, thank you for doing that. Get the word out. We're going to be here all year and well beyond that. Um, but in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, get pumped. Wednesday night, it's a big one. I can taste it. They can win this game, guys. They can win it. We'll see you then. It is the 200 level.